0: Hi there, and welcome to Coming Back, a podcast about coming back to life after loss. Today's show is a fun one, an episode where we look at grief through the lens of a pop culture phenomenon. This week, we'll be talking about Gary Chapman's New York Times bestselling book, The Five Love Languages. shall be for Scythia, an intuitive grief guide who speaks, writes, and teaches the transformational power of grief and loss. My mom's death in 2013 set me on the path to becoming a lifelong student of grief, and I use what I learned to equip others with the knowledge to heal and remind them that they are not alone. Because even through grief, we are growing. Let's fall in love. Is all I can give to you. Oh, my grief growers, I did not want to let that song end. That's one of my all-time favorite songs by Mr. Nat King called... Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our second ever fun one episode grief and the five love languages. If this is the first episode of coming back you're listening to it is awesome to have you here. Normally coming back is a three part podcast with a personal segment, a listener question and a deep dive interview all about grief. But today and for every 10th episode, we're going to be switching it up and focusing on one topic throughout the entire episode. And this time around, it is you guessed it. The Five Love Languages. So for anyone who doesn't know, The Five Love Languages is a book by Gary Chapman. It was originally published in 1995, but has stayed on the New York Times bestseller list since August of 2009. The reason it's so popular is because it's designed to help couples in relationships improve their relationships with each other. The long form title of the book is actually The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts. And who doesn't want that? So according to the five love languages website, over 15 million people have been helped by reading the book, discovering their love language and applying Gary Chapman's wisdom to their life. The five love languages are receiving gifts, knowing that you've been thought of through a physical object or experience, words of affirmation, being praised, adored or honored through verbal or written means. Physical touch, receiving appropriate touch, holding hands, a back rub, sitting on the same side of the restaurant booth, and yes, even sex. Acts of service, this is an action speak louder than words, having people do things with you in mind, or being thought of by having a tedious or difficult or unexpected task completed for you from the heart. And the last one, of course, is quality time, seeing and feeling that you have somebody's full and undivided attention and you are getting the most value out of your time with them. So the theory is that each and every one of us speaks in one dominant and one secondary love language. And the secret to lasting love, especially in romantic partnerships, is being able to discover and communicate your love language to your partner and speak to them in their language in return. Gary Chapman notes that until people discover and apply the five love languages to their relationships, they can only speak in and understand their own love language. So attempts made by their partner to love them via a different language may go unheard or they may feel unheard and trying to express their love to their partner. So one of the examples from a book is a couple who's been married for a while. The wife was feeling distant and unloved in the relationship and her husband was absolutely baffled by it. He had been doing all of the things that he felt were husbandly. So fixing things around the house, bringing in money to support the family, taking out the trash, etc. He felt no need to express the fluffy stuff of love through things like cards or compliments or bragging on his wife in front of her. All throughout their marriage, the wife complained that she never received any of these things from her husband, but he couldn't figure out why she didn't feel loved when he was already doing so much for her to show her that he cared. When the husband didn't understand was that he was trying to speak to his love to her through acts of service, by doing things around the house, by fixing things, taking out the trash, bringing in money, uh, doing the dishes. But what she wanted from him and what she most responded to was words of affirmation. Tell me I'm beautiful, brag on me, say that I mean something to you. So, does this story mean that the husband and wife are incompatible? Maybe, but probably not. What it means is that they're just not speaking each other's love languages because they're not aware of them. You don't have to group yourself with other quality time people if you're a quality time person. You don't have to group yourself with other words of affirmation people. If you're a words of affirmation person, all you have to do according to Gary Chapman to make relationships with others work is pay attention to learn and practice the love languages of others so that they understand and can feel your love in their language and then get comfortable asking them to pay attention to learn and practice communicating in your love language. So you feel understood and loved in return. It's a really big exercise in looking listening and feeling heard. Is your child clingy or requests a hug every time you part ways? Their love language is probably physical touch. Does your stepdad gripe that nobody ever does anything around here and struggles to get you and your siblings to do household chores? His love language is probably acts of service. Does your mom insist that everybody put their phones away and turn the TV off at the table and have a real human conversation? Her love language is probably quality time. Do you complain to your coworkers that your team never gets praised or acknowledged for the work that it puts in? Your love language is probably words of affirmation. Does your grandfather make things for you and the rest of the grandkids in his woodshop out back? His love language is probably gifts. So this book, The Five Love Languages, has been around for more than 20 years. And while there have been no formal studies on The Five Love Languages, it's been applied to millions of lives with what seem like heartening results. And people have discovered that The Five Love Languages can be expanded to communicate with their parents, their kids, their coworkers, and their roommates. All types of relationships seem to benefit from exposure to The Five Love Languages. I first learned about the five love languages in college. I actually took the quiz online, which you can find at five, the number five, lovelanguages.com. And there's a link to this in the show notes as well. And when I was in college, I discovered that my primary love language is gifts. My second love language, which came as no surprise because of how much I like to write and talk, is words of affirmation. So I used this information to let my partners know how I saw and understood love and was able to more clearly state what I wanted and needed from them in relationships going forward. I've also asked my various partners to take the quiz if they were up for it in the first months of our relationship so I could learn to speak their language to them as our relationship grew. So to me, the five love languages is something kind of like a horoscope or a Myers-Briggs type or a four tendencies framework. It's just another lens to see and love your fellow humans through. It's another lens through which we can understand each other. So my goal today in applying this fun and helpful framework to grief is to give you some practical ideas for using the five love languages in your world. I'll give you tips for you if you're grieving. I'll tell you how to honor somebody's love language after they've gone from their life, whether that's through a death, divorce, or other loss. And I'll tell you how to help a griever through their love language. So first off, we'll start with receiving gifts. So if you're a person who's grieving and your love language is receiving gifts, the best thing you can do is when people say, let me know if I can do anything for you, ask them for exactly what you want. You can say something like, I really feel the most loved when I'm receiving things that help me out. Would you be able to X, Y, Z? It's kind of nice because physical items are often the easiest way for other to show a griever that they care. So if you've just been through a natural disaster, maybe you need diapers, maybe you need socks, maybe you need blankets, whatever that may be. If you've just lost a loved one, maybe it's prepped and frozen dinners for the next month or two, or somebody else to provide flowers for the memorial service, maybe you just can't. If you've just been through a divorce, maybe it's a handwritten card checking up on you six months from now. One of my favorite exercises from episode two of coming back is giving people a specific time to reach out to you after your loss. So often a lot of people forget about or or they stop talking about our griefs after a while. So it's kind of nice to give a gift to yourself and have somebody check in with you through a card or a phone call or some kind of small gift through the mail one week or 6 months or a year from the day of your loss. You get to choose the time frame there, but think of it as giving yourself a gift forward into the future. If the person you lost had gifts for their love language. They took special care to pick things out for you on special occasions, and even during the everyday. So a great way to honor their memory would be to, of course, give things. A trip to Goodwill or your local thrift shop would be a great way, not only to, to part with some belongings that you're okay getting rid of, but to pay forward your loved one's belongings to other people who could use them more. Another way to do this is to re gift items from the house to others, maybe family or friends that need them, cooking gadgets, clothing, what have you. One of my favorites is to give musical instruments that are no longer used to a local high school or middle school band. Often these places can't afford instruments of their own and are always taking donations from the community, no matter what state they're in. You can also organize to send flowers monthly or yearly to a grave site. You could get a subscription. You could You know, just mark it in your calendar to say, hey, today I'm going to send flowers. I'm going to give that gift in honor of somebody who loved giving gifts. You can always, of course, put your money where your mouth is and donate to a charity or cause that they would have supported. You can have the kids help make homemade thank you cards for everyone who's helped you during your loss and recalibration period. You can pick a special item, maybe something that's too hard to part with, and keep it in your home. You can definitely use this as an opportunity to make a shrine or or set up just a little nook in your house where you feel comfortable having the physical presence in the form of this gift in your home. And of course, wonderful gifts in honor of people who loved giving gifts are framing old photos or articles about the person that you lost. In order to help a griever whose love language is gifts, the first thing that should pop into your brain is what physical item could they use right now. And a lot of people have like some quick grab ones that they use for grief. And a lot of these are flowers, a card, casserole slash dinner slash meal prep. Um, but what a lot of people don't think about are wearable items like clothing or jewelry or a keepsake item. Like if it's around the holidays, maybe a Christmas ornament or a photo in a frame or a quilt If you listen to episode 16 of Coming Back, when we're talking about having trouble sleeping through grief, maybe something to help them sleep would be helpful. So like a pillowcase or a lavender pillow spray or an eye mask or earplugs or a sound machine. And then of course, of course, of course, in grief, you never know what somebody you love is going through, even if you're there all the time. So if all else fails, there is nothing like a gift card for groceries, a massage, straight cash, those little Visa or MasterCard cash gift cards, home repair, mechanics, dinners out, what have you, there's almost nothing that I can think of that gift cards cannot be used for. So as somebody who resonates most strongly with receiving gifts, I was surprised and wowed and brought to tears. When my college advertising class sent flowers to my home address the week that my mom died, we were all we were all on Christmas break and I was just so surprised and so honored to know that they chipped in their money and sent beautiful purple hydrangeas my way. They just let me know they were thinking of me and I instantly started crying. I also told another story in one of my grief recovery groups. Um, my situation was a little unique in that my mom got the the strange blessing, I guess if you can call it a blessing of knowing a couple of weeks before her death that she was going to die. So she got the opportunity to plan some post death gifts for my sister and me. Uh, Unbeknownst to us on my graduation day, which was six months after she died. My aunts approached me and my sister with gifts that they were tasked to pick out in honor of my mom. They let us know that for each major milestone my sister and I hit in our lives, there would be a pre-planned, pre-orchestrated gift from mom waiting for us that was chosen by her before she died. And I get chills talking about this, but that to me is just way cool. That is way cool. And I know I am in a place where I am so lucky. I am beyond lucky to get to receive these gifts from her through major milestones in the rest of my life when she can't physically be here. So now let's talk about words of affirmation. So if you're grieving, and your love language is words of affirmation, something you can ask people is to affirm your choices and actions through their words. Let people know that what really helps you is words, both written and verbal, about being able to make it through, about being able to do this, that you're doing the right thing, that they have faith in you, that they've been where you are. A note of encouragement or a shared story of loss can really connect you to others who are going through this loss with you. It might also help you to join a support group, whether it's online or in person, that can affirm what you're going through. Having people's eyes And ears on your heart can really be helpful when you're going through grief. I personally found Facebook to be a productive outlet during my mom's death. A lot of people distance themselves from social media, but for somebody who needs to write and needs to read, um, I found this a really constructive place to find resources and stories and encouragement from others. If you're looking for a community like this, you can always join my private Facebook group, The Grief Growers Garden, which is a great place to hear phrases like, and I see this a lot, me too. I'm so sorry, and you've got this. There are tons of Facebook groups out there, both for specific losses and just loss in general, that are a great place to go if you're grieving. If you're honoring the loss of someone whose love language is words of affirmation, you can probably tell this was their love language by their love for words. So maybe they were a big reader or maybe a big writer. Maybe they were the speech maker at family or friend gatherings. Maybe they were somebody who kept books of poetry, or they kept a regular journal, or they always were sure to compliment you through words, wherever you are, and regardless of what you were wearing. So the first thing that comes to mind for me here is, is doing something like a family history, especially if the person you lost is a patriarch or matriarch of the family, you can use their death as an opportunity to open doors to storytelling about where you came from and what your family tree looks like, and start writing it down. The second thing I'll recommend is to start a blog or a journal in honor of the person you lost, you can share your words with others. So if they're walking this road, they can see that others have made it through this type of loss before them. And they can see the humanity in your loss as well. This is my big mission, my big why behind doing coming back, which is why I just love words of affirmation so much. Another thing you can do to honor somebody that you lost whose love language is words of affirmation is to write love letters to yourself, maybe from yourself or maybe from them, or record love letters to yourself through video. And you can watch these one week, one month, one year, 10 years out after your loss. You can keep these forever just as, as written or spoken pieces of, of your journey, Similarly, you can write love letters or make videos of everything you love and remember about the person or the place or the thing that you lost. I know things like remembrance videos or or slideshows are really popular for people with words of affirmation. Another short and sweet one is to write a song, pair it with some music. Uh, Another one is to write a poem to read at a memorial service or the anniversary of a loss, maybe get together a year or two later. One that's neat uh, that I actually learned as a kid, and this can apply especially if you're religious or spiritual, is to start including your loved one that you lost in your prayers. Alive or dead, no matter the type of loss, it can be really comforting and homey and just grounding to include them and speak their name in a small spoken or written ritual like prayer every day. If you're seeking to help a griever whose love language is words of affirmation, you can encourage them through your words. I have faith in you. I support you making this tricky judgment call. I know things are hard right now, but I'm here and I see your strength and I see your bravery through this. I'm proud of you. For more ideas, you can check out episode three of Coming Back. That's full of things to say to comfort someone who is grieving. If that's not quite your style, you can also leave heartfelt notes all over the house or hide them under their windshield wipers or put them in their purse. You can send your grieving friend a text, a video, or a Snapchat sending your spoken love. You can leave a loving voicemail if you still use the phone. You can use a program called Sly Dial to go straight to voicemail. And of course, there's a voicemail waiting for them without them knowing they've received a call. So it's kind of like a surprise greeting for them. You can send a card, especially over distance, or an email relaying your love and support. You can remind them that not all words, especially religious-leaning ones or the time heals all ones, are true or helpful, and they don't necessarily have to listen to advice that doesn't resonate with them. You can also send them a poem or a song with lyrics that would resonate with them, or make them a mixtape of some of your favorites. Alrighty, let's tackle the love language of physical touch. I'm going to start this off as a disclaimer and let you know that physical touch is not limited to the sexual side of things. The book gives this as a disclaimer as well. Enjoying physical touch includes everything from having your back scratched in the right place to having your hand held during a sad or scary event, or just wanting to be in the same room as people instead of in another room on your own. Physical touch is defined by the five love languages as communicating through appropriate physical touch. This can, this can certainly include hugs, kisses, and sex, but can include a lot more than that as well under this big physical touch umbrella. Okay, so if you're a person who's grieving and physical touch is your love language, ask people. You love to stand close to you at a wake or memorial or other funeral service. Sometimes it can really just help to have them in close physical proximity to you. You can book a massage, a mani-pedi, or a haircut the day that your divorce goes final. You can ask your loved ones if they'll hold your hand when the doctor comes in with the news, or when you're going in to receive a treatment for an illness. Basically. If your love language is physical touch and you're grieving, put yourself in places and spaces that encourage appropriate physical touch. Be the person to start the hugging line at the cemetery. Touch the arm or the shoulder of your kids as a silent reassurance that you're still there with them. Sit close to your family and friends when they visit your house. If sex is something you want during your grieving, ask for it. Say, I know I'm loved and cherished when I'm physically close to you. This is not a numbing out for me. It's a way to strengthen my connection to you. Get consent first from your partner, of course. And if sex is something you don't want, maybe ask your partner to hold you close at night when you fall asleep. If your partner is the person that you lost, maybe sleep with your kids or sleep with a pet or sleep with a friend for a couple of days or weeks or months, whatever works. One of my favorite facts and pieces of trivia from Cheryl Sandberg's book, Option B, is that her sister and her mom both took shifts sleeping in her bed with her in the months after her husband died so her bed wouldn't feel so empty. It is so, so important to have physical presence there for you if it is your love language. To honor the loss of someone whose love language was physical touch, they were a person who was touchy-feely in real life, they just wanted you close to them. You can donate or volunteer your time at a charity or a cause that contributes to the physical well being of others. You could devote your body to getting yourself in shape, focusing on your body, your physical body, as a sanctuary. You continuing to live after this loss can be a tribute to the life you shared with the person you lost. You can have a tradition or instate a tradition every night where you hold hands at the dinner table and say something you remember about the person that you lost. You can wear the clothing or the jewelry of the person you lost. So you can literally touch them on your body whenever you want. I have a sweatshirt. That's my mom's t shirt. That's my mom's a couple of pieces of jewelry as well. And it just feels like she's physically close. When I wear those things. You can energetically channel if this is a gift of yours, you can energetically channel your loved one when you go to embrace or kiss or sit with others, mirror their physical gestures and bring them to life through your own physical actions. One of my favorites is to do a meditation or mindfulness exercise where you look at living relatives of the person you lost, and notice what features they have that belong to your loved one too. Maybe you've never noticed them before. Maybe you always have. And maybe you have them too. To help a griever whose language is physical touch, sit close to them at services and memorials. Be physically present wherever you can as things happen and as this griever asks you to be. Don't crowd them, but do use that sixth sense that we all have to reach out and to touch them when it's appropriate. You can put your arms around them, you can hold their hand, you can tap their shoulder, rest a hand on their lap. If they're a child, and especially if they're a child, consent's really important. So ask for a hug and wait for them to nod or say yes before giving a hug. Same thing goes for things like stroking or braiding hair, lovingly adjusting clothing for them, etc. Don't just start grabbing at people because you suspect their love language is physical touch. This comment actually came from Leela B, who's the host of a meditation podcast. She's going to be on coming back in the very near future. Leela says, my love language is physical touch. Touch can be both a trigger and a release for me. Just in the last few days, while I've been on a meditation retreat, I've become more and more of a hugger. Initially, hugging was a trigger, which always came with a tinge of pain or loss. But now it's transformed into unconditional love and joy. So maybe take the grieving person whose love language is physical touch in your life to a meditation retreat to practice touch in a safe and healthy, trauma-free space. If you cannot be physically close to the person you love who is grieving but you know their love language is physical touch offer to book that massage or book that mani pedi for them at their favorite spot you can also book them something like reiki or yoga or healing touch these are all great gifts for physical touch grievers as well If you're the intimate partner of a griever whose language is physical touch and they ask you for sex disclaimer know that this request is not callous or them numbing out of their loss It's an attempt and a call to feel connected to you at the worst moment of their lives and to experience your love. You have to decide if you're ready for that because grief sex is different from quote unquote normal sex, not in scary or terrifying ways, but it is different or it can be different. If you're not up for experiencing this, offer up another form of physical touch, like lying close together on the couch, holding each other naked in bed, or giving them a back rub or a foot rub. Do not refuse sex and then refuse any form of physical touch altogether, unless it's a situation where this griever is being abusive or otherwise overly demanding towards you, in which case you may need to reevaluate the entire relationship. In any case, remember that your griever has lost something. So the chances are that you have lost something too and need to honor your grief in this as an equal partner in your relationship. My language is not physical touch, at least my primary and secondary are not physical touch, but I can appreciate physical touch as it comes to me in important moments. One of my most vivid memories, and there's a lot of stories about my mom today. One of my most vivid memories from my mom's wake is being embraced and spoken to by my mom's sister, my aunt. This moment, when, when I think about it, um, my shoulders just dropped as I'm recording here because I feel like I'm being held. Um, this moment still brings up a lot in me because my aunt is so much like my mom physically. Um, in this moment at the wake, it felt like my mom hadn't died at all and wasn't laying out on a funeral parlor's table, but that she was right there and she was holding me through this pain of losing her. It was very, very powerful. It was that powerful. And my aunt was just gripping to me. And I remember, I remember clutching back on her and never, never, never letting go. I don't remember what it felt like to let go of her. My aunt literally held my physical body up that day. And it was really, really important. It was really important to me. So we'll move on from physical touch and go forward to acts of service. So if you're grieving and your love language is acts of service, when people say the dreaded, let me know if there's anything I can do for you, answer them with an act of service. Ask yourself, what will really help me out right now? Really? Is it having somebody mow the yard for you? How about watching your pets when you have to go to a funeral out of state? Is it carpool to chemo or for your kids to get to school so you can take care of your spouse? What would be the most helpful thing for you right now in this moment? Ask for people to perform services for you that you really need. Will you help me take all these things to goodwill? Can you help me organize a yard sale? Can you ask your lawyer to call me and look over my will on this time? Can you come and visit me in the hospital and bring one of those really good cheeseburgers with you? Can you roll down my trash to the curb this week? anything goes, literally anything goes, people are asking how to help and you give them something to do. You give them something to do my little acts of service grievers. They are happy to do it. And if they're not happy to do it, ask somebody else who is because you are surrounded by people who are so ready to help in this time of loss. And let people know In this, if at all possible for you to relay this, let people know, say, I really feel loved when I see people take these tasks off my hands. It's one less thing to worry about, or I know I am loved. If you're honoring someone you lost whose love language was acts of service, if in life they did for others over and over and over and over again, the way to honor acts of service in death is to serve in life. This could be paying it forward in a way that they would have, volunteering your time or your energy doing a project that they left unfinished. Maybe it's helping the neighbor kids finish that treehouse or fixing up their favorite car or repainting your dining room. This could also be volunteering with an organization that supports their mission, like a soup kitchen or a domestic violence shelter or a national cancer fighting program. You could also do something nice for the team at the law office or the hospital or the funeral home or the religious organization that helped your loved one in the last months or years of their life who provided service to them. Maybe now you can provide a service back. You can also, this is kind of a funky one. You can also reframe household chores for yourself or your partner or your kids Something like, remember Nana always said, to help is to love. How about we do the dishes together in honor of her? So to turn chores into kind of an activity, an act of service, where you remember the person you know and love who most served. And then lastly, of course, is to give money in their name to a service-oriented organization. Maybe one that helps the homeless find careers or trains immigrants in a useful trade, or gets LGBT kids off the streets and into safe and loving homes. Anything that's got a spirit of service. If you're trying to help a griever whose love language is acts of service, do something for them. You know that their love language is acts of service. So choosing something that needs doing and just doing it rarely, unless it involves entering their home, i.e. providing childcare or pet sing or plant watering or bringing in the mail, rarely do you need to ask permission to perform an act of service. If it is kind and if it is helpful, just do it. This comes from the book. There is no good card for this. If it's kind and it's helpful, just do it. Don't hesitate. It's the same thing as don't hesitate. Just reach out. Don't hesitate. Just do it. I won't read through the list that I proposed at the beginning of the acts of service piece, because there are a lot of great ideas there. I'll also say go back and listen to episode three of Coming Back, which provides a lot of examples of acts of service for the first weeks of the loss all the way through the lifetime of a person who has lost someone or something. And then the last of the five love languages is quality time, which I personally think is appropriate given all the quality time we've spent together today. If you're grieving and your love language is quality time, ask people to spend time with you. Seems obvious, but it can be, you know, really tricky when you're grieving because people think they need to be profound when they spend time with a griever, but they don't. They just need to be there with you. So whether this is in person or over the phone or on FaceTime, ask people to spend uninterrupted, undistracted time with you. You can play a board game together. You can do something with your hands. You don't have to just stare at each other. You can catch up on your days, just listen to each other talk, or you can just sit in silence. You know, there's those people you can just sit with in comfortable silence and you don't have to say anything. Just ask to be with the people you love. Say something like, I really feel loved when I get to see and spend time with you. Instead of going out to eat after the wake or memorial, you can host a potluck or a catered dinner at your home where you can really spend time with your family. You can turn on that movie you've really been wanting to see with your girlfriends and talk about it afterwards. You can sit together with your partner on the porch or in the backyard and watch the sunrise or the sunset. Quality time is all about asking other people to be present with you. So, to honor a loss of someone whose love language is quality time, spend time honoring them. Develop a ritual, a ritual, a ritual where you speak to them or write to them or simply just channel their energy into your space. You can light a candle during this or have a picture displayed where you can have a conversation with them. You can check out episode four of Coming Back, where I talk about the power of rituals for the people that we've lost. You can spend time, quality time with friends and family who have also lost this person. Unplug from your phones and your TV and just sit face to face. Share stories of the person you lost and you can dig deep with this into fond memories. Hey, did they ever tell you the story about the time that this happened? Didn't she tell you about this when you were 16? Can I hear the whole story now? Give the other people you're with your undivided attention when they speak. Plan weekly or monthly or yearly get-togethers with the people you love in honor of the person that you lost. Devote time in your week to doing something they would have liked to do with you. This can be hiking or painting or shopping or reading. Spend half an hour, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour a week spending quality time with their memory through a new hobby that you take up. If you want to do more, you can always, always, always volunteer your time for a charity in support of something your loved one loved. You can give back to others by playing music, or by reading, or by serving at your local community center. Participate in politics or activist movements that honor their spirit and values. Anything that brings your loved one's life to life through your time, through the use of your time. If you're looking to help a griever whose love language is quality time, be there for them. This is one of the hardest things to do as a bystander to grief because it doesn't seem like enough. But let me reassure you here on Coming Back, Grief Growers, it is enough. Again, jump back to Coming Back, Episode 3 to listen to more about why just being there is so, so powerful to grievers. Just sit across from them. Listen. Listen. Yeah, open your ears and your heart to whatever they're going through. Help where you can and where you're asked to, but mostly just be there and listen. Go out for coffee. Visit them at their house or their apartment. Spend time with their kids. Answer the phone when they call. A person person whose love language is quality time is simply asking for your undivided, undistracted presence. If you can't be with the person who's grieving right away, be sure to set a date in the future where you know you will be able to be available to them. This communicates that you recognize that their time is very important and full of love for them and that you value it just as much as they do. And then, of course, follow through. Well, my grief growers, that's the package I've got for you today on this fun one episode of Coming Back remember to find your love language. You can take the quiz online at fivelovelanguages.com. And then I strongly encourage you to listen to this episode again and see as a griever to honor someone you have lost or to help a griever, how you can best apply your love language into that scenario. You can also find a link to the quiz in the show notes. I just want to add as an ending note here today that there is no time frame on telling people that you love them similarly there is no such thing as too late to touch to speak to spend time to serve or to give a gift we are always learning and we're always growing and we're always grieving in a way so if this podcast inspired you to reach out to someone you love in their love language do it And if you're grieving by all means, don't be afraid to ask for exactly what you want and need, especially if you've heard it said on this podcast today. Join me tomorrow, September 28th on Facebook Live at one o'clock Chicago time. We'll talk about grief and the five love languages. Of course, I would love for you to tell me yours. Please subscribe to the show and tell a friend about coming back because you never know what somebody you love is going through. A huge, loving words of affirmation thank you to Mr. Addy Goldstein who composed our theme music. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Forsythia, Intuitive Grief Guide, Instagram at Grief Guide Shelby Forsythia, or simply shelbyforsythia.com. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment for a future show, leave a voicemail or text 312-725-3043 or email me at shelby at shelbyforsythia.com subject line podcast. As always, my dear grief growers, it was beautiful sharing this space and this time with you today. I see you. I am proud of you and the work that you are always doing in the world. And I love you because even through grief, we are growing.